Pages of Pim Better Podcast. Greetings, Voyagers! This is the Voyages of Tim Vetter podcast. I am Tim Vetter, and I am so pleased that you are listening, so thank you so much for tuning in. On today's episode, I am joined by the amazing Darren Olin. He is the superfood hunter. He wrote a book called Super Life, in which he details eating superfoods and the diet that works best for him and the way to live a healthy and happy and fruitful and successful life. It's a really great read. I only had him for an hour today. He's uh, he's a real busy guy and he had a meeting, but he called in from California and gave me an hour. So we made the most of that hour. At the end of it though, I still had like two pages left of notes of all these things that I wanted to bring up specifically related to travel and his experiences in Bhutan and things like that. So hopefully we're going to be able to run this back and do it again sometime soon. Uh, really grateful that he gave me this hour. We really packed it out. Um, he's a fascinating guy. He, you know, helped me to try to parcel out what information we should be digesting about health and nutrition, because there's so much information out there nowadays. And a lot of it is backed by science or supposedly backed by science and the science is referenced, but still as, as a layman, it's really hard to figure out what is true and what's not true. So he helped with that and gave personal stories about his work finding superfoods in Peru and in Brazil. So really, really cool guy. Uh, I really, really enjoyed this conversation. Talking or speaking about healthy foods, this episode is brought to you by Energy Bits. Energy Bits is not exactly a supplement. It's actually food. It's a whole food product. Kind of looks like supplements because it comes in these round green pill looking like things, but you can chew them or you can swallow them. And it is made of 100% organic algae. This is filled with high density chlorophyll, uh, high bioavailable iron, high density protein, all your B vitamins, uh, plant-based omega-3s, it fits your paleo diet. It fits your vegan diet. It is sustainably grown because it is growing on water. It does not require farmland. And I take this all the time and there's no weird stomach distress or uh, no like, you're not burping up a strange taste or anything like that. Um, it's just really, really good. It gives you energy. Uh, I like to take it actually before I go to sleep. I feel like it gives me more, more energy in the morning when I wake up. So uh, I'm going to Mexico next week, and I'm going to have my energy bits on hand just in case any funky, weird stomach stuff happens while I am in Mexico. The energy bits people are going to give you 20% off of your order if you type in the code Vetter, V-E-T-T-E-R. It's 20% off your order if you type in the code Vetter. All right, now, sometimes I like to do these little contests and giveaways. I'm not going to do it on the podcast this time. Instead, what I want you to do is head over to my Instagram account, and I will have something set up for you there. Uh, Darren's got his book. He's got the barucas, the baru nuts that we talk about in this episode. So I'll give away some stuff, maybe some copies of his book and some copies of, or some copies, or a few bags of the baru nuts. So again, check out my Instagram at the voyages of Tim V. The voyages of Tim V. All right, 
Really cool conversation for you. Hope you like it. I liked it a whole lot. Here is Darren Olin. I know you as the superfood hunter, the author of Super Life, which I read and greatly enjoyed and found really informative, the founder of Shakeology. To catch listeners up to speed, to give them some context for this conversation, how would you give your real quick bio to explain to people like what your life's work is? Uh, yeah, well, what I've done certainly superfood hunting um it's going around finding some of the greatest botanicals in the world so that they're available for people so that people can ultimately live a healthy vibrant life so that they can actually live their purpose um because if your bodies aren't firing on all cylinders it's really hard for you to live a dream-like life so on that level and on that in that way Superfoods was the start of that, and now it's you know ventured into several other things that still have the planet and people in mind um, to make better uh, those things. So that's that's in a nutshell. Everything I do helps people and the planet. So um, that's just where my heart is. It doesn't make sense for me to do anything outside of that. Do you know who Kyle Kingsbury is? Uh, that name is vaguely familiar. So he, I don't know him, but he is an ex-UFC fighter and he now works for On It and he's got a, a really great podcast. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So he's got a really great podcast through them. Um, and at some point he dropped your name because he's always dropping the names of, 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 of the books he's reading and things like that. So um, just wanted to give him that little shout out because uh, that's the connection to how I found out about you and the work that you do. Oh, right on. Very cool. So I'm going to kind of start out with something that's, I think, pretty ambitious. Um, I'll say that I think you do a really good job of talking about lifestyle and food choices that would benefit everybody and what you do specifically while not demonizing other people's choices, especially being that, uh, you know, everybody's body is different and people do respond to, to foods and to, to diets differently. But with that, um, so from my own experience, I read, uh, brain maker. And in that book, um, I think it's his, his name is pronounced a uh, pearl, pearl mutter or pearl muter. Mm-hmm. Uh, yep. so he, he talks a lot about totally eliminating sugar and that includes sugar from fruits. And then I've, uh, I listened to Joe Rogan's podcast and he had Dr. Sean Baker, who's doing a carnivore diet, which is very, very different from the, the diet that, that you promote now. So the question is for the layman, for somebody who's not a scientist, who's reading these things and both sides again, it's not, I'm not saying like there's a size, like this is a battle or something. But each 
dietary choice and lifestyle choice is backed by science. And, and when people talk about these things, it, it, it sounds correct to me, and I know it sounds correct to a lot of other consumers. How, how do you parcel out true science and what is correct? That's a very good question. And it's a, it's a better question now more than ever because of the information uh, kind of cacophony that we're surrounded by, right? Anyone yeah. can be an expert by being in front of a computer and Googling anything, um, which makes it, which is great. And at the same time, utterly and, and ridiculously confusing. Um, the, the sides where, you know, I was taught early on once I graduated college and I surrounded myself with some researchers and doctors and guys that would uh, start bestowing tons of knowledge. The biggest things for me was observing nature. And that, those were the gifts of if, if, it's, if it's synergistic with nature, then... 99.9% chance that that's a sustainable uh, uh, thing to follow. So it's as simple as saying, you know why nuts are difficult for people to consume? Because for the most part, there has to be some sort of process in order for the anti-nutrients, which are in the nuts for their own survival, that thwart off animals eating them, but by observing nature when it rains and there's dew and there's a changing of biochemistry in a nut, uh, it needs to have that moisture on it and therefore the enzymatic activity happens and the anti-nutrients become different and they start to sprout and they germinate and there becomes a, uh, what was once a, knee, uh, a, a nut is now a tree. No animal, no, no wild animal will consume uh, and smell a nut that is not in that process of germination because they know it's going to be harmful. Hmm. So that's one example of this whole thing. So now getting back to the science of things, I think largely the science is, is um, compromised. Um, because you can have anybody do any science uh, to get a lot of favorable results by modifying the, the, the test. So therefore, you know, I've dug into these things. I've dug into um, the saturated fat argument. Um, you, you pull the string back and these researchers, you know, 80% of them are compromised within the industries that they're trying to support. They're being funded by them. They're being, um, uh, uh, salaries are being given to them by these people. So if they don't come up with favorable results, then, then what's the point of them putting up a half a million dollars to even do the study? So there's a lot of these, these studies that get thrown around. They're absolutely ridiculous and they don't follow whatsoever. So, so for me, these fads exist by way of everyone wanting to find out a quicker way or to keep their bad habits and to uh, align and agree with 
and justify things that they don't want to give up. Um, and it just largely, I was just uh, researching into this authentic paleontologist, um, I forget his name, uh, from Stanford, and he was, he just said from an, he's not selling anything, right? So he's like, just from an evolutionary standpoint, uh, we are uh, fruit and carbohydrate people. And by the, by the, and people always want to say, well, meat is what developed the brain, the brain when in fact, well, does that really make sense? When, when wouldn't, wouldn't a lion be the smartest animal on the planet if that was the case? Uh, and, and their point of view was that the, the, the ability for a human to move around uh, increased the landmass size of their foraging, their, whereby increasing the population and the diversification of fruits uh, and tubers and carbohydrates, which is when anyone who studied physiology uh, will come to realize that the brain, its number one fuel source is, is glucose. Now, if you trick it, we're humans. So we're humans because we can adapt to anything. Adaptation doesn't, in, in some respects, doesn't mean optimization, right? So, you know, good amounts of stress is great. Sitting in saunas for a long time, sitting in ice tubs, all of those things uh, is fantastic. But, but saying that that high consumptions of meat and all this stuff is a, is a good thing. And from when you really look at the, the, the guys that are really dedicating their lives to it, it just doesn't make any sense whatsoever to them. So, so, you know, it's a big, it's a big answer. And like you said in the beginning, I, I'm not really interested in, um, you know, going after anybody, uh, and, and proving my point to anybody. I, I come from the place of um, definitely, uh, you know, useology, using yourself and studying and dedicating yourself to those things. Um, you're going to get results on almost anything because the body's so adaptive. Mm. The problem is that from a long-term perspective, um, we are, we are, choosing these habits that will largely undermine these natural tendencies of health. Um, it, you know, these things are very kind of simple. If you, if you take in something as acidic as protein and meat all day long, um, your body has, it has to by chemistry, it has to buffer the acids period. It has to, use elements, uh, calcium, magnesium, uh, potassium, all these things. It has to use these elements to, to counteract the acidic forming nature of these foods. So from, from my early on in life and in studying this stuff and being, uh, taught these things, it just made zero sense to me to, go against the natural understanding of a base basis of chemistry. The other side of it for me is I'm always the person like I, 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 I don't like where biohacking 
goes, but I appreciate many things that, that is coming out from it. So let me just say this in the, in the sense of, I, I love following nature, but cutting out the middleman, right? So if I, if I, for me, I looked at, as I was digging into physiology and learning and being an athlete and experimenting, um, myself, I was like, well, if everything I'm learning and the chemical bonds to break down plants and to extract the amino acids, uh, and to then to reorganize them by RNA, DNA, and to repair and uh, replace the body and all that stuff. Well, if I'm taking in the flesh of another being, I still have to break all of that flesh down to its smallest usable molecules, and that's obviously the amino acids. So, well, aren't those animals, isn't, isn't those animals ultimately building their body by plants? Either that lion is eating another animal that ate plants to get there and all this stuff. So I'm like, well, well why, why go through so much strain on a physiological level to break down flesh of another hmm. entity with all these other side effects uh, when I can just eat plants and get all the amino acids I, I require. So that, that, that's, uh, I just like to eliminate the middleman. And the middleman for me is, is meat, meat, fish, dairy, eggs. It just, it, you know, it doesn't, it doesn't make every, any sense. And, and the, you know, 100,000 articles supporting, uh, eating, eating plants, um, uh, with pleomorphic, benefits, hmm. exponential benefits. You're not just eating for protein. You know, the wheel doesn't, doesn't roll with one spoke, right? The wheel rolls with many spokes. And so again, if you eat like say, let's say turmeric, right? If you eat turmeric, you get curcumin, you get tumorones, you get, you get anti-inflammatory aspects, you get neurogenerative BDNF aspects, you get anti-aging aspects, you get um, uh, anti-stress aspects, you get exponential aspects of these things. So that to me, that's why plants were such an amazing kind of uh, aspect to dedicate my life to because no one can argue Everyone is consuming plants all day long, and those are our medicines. Mm -hmm. So that, that's where I go, uh, and there's, for me, there's no basis of reality that people need to consume plant or consume meat, fish, dairy, eggs, unless they don't have the resources, the means, or the ability to find the plants that are required that can give them kind of what it is that they're missing or what it is that the, the meat may be giving them. Um, so anyway, that's, that's my long ended. <laughs> <laughs> no, it was a, it was a huge question. So no, I appreciate that. Um, yeah. So you also mentioned in there that obviously, you know, food, there's food companies, the food is a massive industry. And as we know, businesses often lobby our politicians and our government 
I'm wondering, so first of all, you have all this knowledge and you have quite an amazing network of really informed and intelligent people. Uh, I've heard you on the Rich Roll podcast. I've heard you with Ben Greenfield. So I know that probably uh, regardless of what the fad diet is or the choices that people are making, most people can look at the food pyramid that has been given to us and say, like, this is totally out of whack. So, so you have that right. coupled with, without trying to get super political, um, an administration right now in the United States that is really trying hard to repeal environmental regulation, which has an effect on our food and our lives. I'm wondering if, have you either by yourself or with this network of people, have you ever tried to get involved in health policy and inform the people who are making the decisions for us? Yeah. Uh, in fact, uh, you know, there's been several organizations. Uh, I mean, obviously I'm an, uh, you know, I'm, I'm, uh, a supporter and involved in American Botanical Council, which does a lot of work with, uh, in the herbal industry, trying to keep the standards high and as a watchdog and also information, uh, and then, and then another organization that I'm joining this year that they really wanted me to come on and I've been digging into is the uh, Institute of Natural Health, which is very involved in um, uh, the governmental side and the regulatory side uh, of, of not only the supplement world, but uh, the food world. So, um, so that's a fantastic organization. Um, and again, it's, it's, uh, you know, and also food democracy now, uh, around, uh, uh, which I'm helping out these guys a bit, um, uh, which is centered around glyphosate, uh, the main active compound in, uh, Roundup Ready herbicides, pesticides, the most widely used, uh, pesticides on the planet. Um, largely behind decimating food and leaving toxic compounds and destroying our gut health and destroying our immune system. And we've been bathing in that stuff since the 50s, or really the 70s, 1974. So, so yeah, I mean, these things are something that I support, uh, things that I care about. And uh, right now I'm, I'm helping... And also on my own, building some platforms in the coming year uh, within media to um, expose more things and investigate more things and also kind of bring in um, the awareness with the solution based. Um, so, you know, watch for, you know, latter part of the, this year. And the early part of next, uh, and there'll be some, some, hopefully some big waves happening. We have some deals lined up and things like that. Right on. But, um, yeah. Nice. Um, okay. So I'm really, I love the videos you have of you traveling throughout the world. Um, this is like, you know, right in my wheelhouse. I love this stuff <laughs> and I'm really curious about, so let's take something like, uh, Baru nuts. Am I pronouncing that correct? I guess. 
Yeah, uh, Baruna. So yeah. that's the species uh, from the Baruzeta tree, and our trade name is Barucas. Yes, which I purchased uh, quite a while back. I guess this is after I first heard you uh, mentioned by Kyle. Um, and I'll do some type of a giveaway when I do the intro for this episode. But I'm really curious about just the process of discovering a superfood. Like, are you given a tip and then you go out or do you make connections first? How do you, how do you bring something like this to the world? It's a great question. I mean, every ingredient, I've been involved in hundreds of investigations and, 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 and procurements, uh, uh, of potentials or things to come to the U.S. or not, or developments or working with farmers in different areas and regions and all kinds of different things. So it, there, there's not a one, there's not a one way. Um, so certainly, um, early on, when I'd head to Peru to investigate whether it would be maca or yacon or Sasha Inchi or Camu Camu or Una de Gado or Chuchuasi or any of these things, um, I'd go and I'd be in villages and mountaintops and all that stuff. And ultimately so much of the exposure and knowledge gets, gets, you know, which is why I love going to, to, the blue collar aspect of me, the doing it part of me just requires it. So that, that is where most of the knowledge of the said thing that I'm actually looking at, but also by sitting down and having lunch with and hanging out in villages and stuff, you ultimately look and ask questions and you will start to discover their methodologies, their ways of staying healthy when they don't have healthcare systems, the old ways, the ways, but, but old ways, not in the sense that they don't work, the old ways in the way that them have passed down for thousands of years and hundreds of years and all of those things. So the, the, the list of things that I was curious about just grew every time I went out for uh, to find, you know, or to look at a few um, botanicals. Uh, in, in, in the relation to uh, the Barucas and the Baru and the Baruzeta tree, I had been to Brazil a couple times and um, I didn't know about it. It was in an area that I hadn't been because I was in the jungle. Um, but then a Brazilian who knew that I've been traveling, I'd traveled there, who knew that I was doing this kind of thing and investigating, uh, just lofted me a message. And mm. I barely get all my messages, right? <laughs> Even you, it's hard yeah. to, to, get, to get a hold of me because I just, like, there's so many mediums to which messages come in. Right. It's kind of like I can't even hardly handle that. So, so I just happened to see it. So this Brazilian reaches out, have you heard of uh, the Baruna? And I was like, no. So I was just lucky to get that message. And then I had him send me some, he sent me a bunch of research and I quickly was like, this is one of those gems. This is one of those things that it tastes, there is no barrier to entry. It's a whole food. So that barrier to entry sometimes is, you know, an herb having tannins 
or uh, stringents that are its medicines, but but very difficult to to consume, right? For a regular person, um, with, to which a lot of them then go to the pill or the capsule or whatever. But a lot of foods too. So this is one where it's it tasted like a peanut slash almond. Uh, it was delicious, and it had superior nutrient profiles. So it had huge amount lower in calories, way higher in fiber, way higher in protein, uh, and then all these micronutrients and, and huge amounts of polyphenols and high ORAC values and antioxidants and uh, healthy fats, uh, high magnesium, high zinc, high iron, high copper, huge potassium. So these micronutrient delivery of this freaking delicious nut, mm. it was one of those kind of home runs. So I traveled, I went to Brazil with them uh, and I just had to look at the, I had to then see what the reality of the situation was. And this was largely 99.9% of all Beru is wild. Right, it's in the wow. this beautiful Sahadu in the savanna of yeah. Brazil, uh, and impossible to 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 gather, but largely by going there now several times, uh, we've figured out a network, and we're putting that, all that infrastructure together to essentially have indigenous people collect what is being lost. Uh, creating value back to them, creating value back to the land to then thwart the over-decimation of, of factory-farmed meat, meat production, dairy production that's decimating this incredible landmass that's that some say as large as the Amazon itself. So, so it became this socially important aspect to this delicious micronutrient incredible nut that became a mission just almost overnight uh, because of it, it's got a perfect story and it's got a perfect mission and uh, people can't stop eating it. So it, it's only a win, 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 win down the line for everybody. The customer who consumes it is winning because it's very good and it's very good for them more superior than any nut they can put in their in their mouth and it's very very good for the people collecting it and the land to which excuse me the land to which it's coming from so it's a huge socially responsible uh, program just by way of making it available to people so so that's that's the that's the Baru story, and every you know botanical has its own kind of magical unfoldment. Are you the only person, or are you and in, in your business the only ones who have this available? Because I have never seen it anywhere else. We're the only ones. Wow. So then yeah. I guess. And, oh, I'm sorry. Yeah. No, I was just going to say we're the only ones, and we're the only ones who really. The partners I have, I've known for a decade, and uh, uh, the, at least the, I mean the 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 Brazilian ones, and then I brought in uh, guys who are badasses in this industry, understand it, and have traveled with me for ten years. So 
the business acumen that we have behind this is huge. Um, and the only way, see, here's the thing. You're dealing with a third world country. Right. And if you don't know what the bottlenecks are, you don't know every cent of how this thing is collected and procured and safe and processed and uh, everything down from how much gas it costs to transport in the middle of nowhere to, um, you know, how they crack this thing, which is really difficult. If you don't know these things and you don't spend the time, you won't know and the price will be astronomical. And there will be no way to get it down to a palatable place where people will consume it. It will just be a very novel nut. Uh, and that's how it existed in Brazil, because no one really understood the different places of how we could actually change the game and make really bad systems a lot better. So ultimately, the nut can can the price can drop and people can consume it and get the benefits from it. So. So, uh, so that's, that's, so, you know, any herb, any botanical has got a very important journey. Um, and it's important to eyeball it all. And that, that's why I got into what I did. I mean, I, it's irresponsible to, to, I think formulate without, um, understanding, uh, truly understanding. Um, and that's not, by a research paper on Google search. That's, that's truly understanding. That's looking the eyeballs of people. That's putting your hands in the dirt. That's going through the process. That's auditing facilities. That's doing the whole thing. Um, and, and the, the supplement industry is just a ridiculous wild west of crap. Mm. Um, you know, it's just, a, and ultimately who loses? The customer loses every time. My One of my missions is to bring, like I said in the beginning, bring some of the greatest food and nutrition and supplements to the world by way of doing it right uh, with the proper people, with uh, the way these botanicals are supposed to be cared for so that they can get to people and actually do the medicinal, uh, therapeutic, and potentiating aspects that that they have in them so that people can thrive. Yeah. Uh, and we need it now more than ever, don't we? I mean, we're dying. Like the top 10 diseases are all lifestyle-based. We're, we're killing ourselves by poor volumes of poor quality food that people are stuffing their face with, filling their guts, and their cells are deprived and starving and breaking down. And, of course, when you wake up at 40 and treating your body like crap, of course stuff's going to break and you'll feel like 60. You know, that, that's just the, that's the reality. So I want people to get really good things in their body so that they don't have to actually worry about their body. <laughs> so yeah. they can live a life that's full and do whatever the hell they want. Like you, like jump on a plane and see where it goes. But I promise if you weren't healthy, that isn't an option. Right. Right. So anyway, that's, that's, that's why I love what I do. That's, that's why, because it's, it's way beyond me. And it's just in my view of the world and my experience in it. That's what I see. So I continue to work and, and, get these little things that I can do and hopefully that 
platform just keeps getting larger so that there's a larger population that can have a different choice than kind of their lack of choice that they feel like they have. Well, there's a beautiful message and your, your business practices are certainly admirable. Um, I, I wonder, so you, you've, you have this new product, right? It's not new to the people that live there, but new on a larger scale to, to, to new markets. And, you know, over the course of time, you've seen this with like, uh, goji berries became very popular or maybe within the last 10, 15 years, quinoa has exploded. And at least from things I've read, like, well, now with all this industry coming in, like quinoa is too expensive for the native Ecuadorians where it comes from, or, you know, there's, there's deforestation, um, because of all of the production of soy. Now that you have essentially brought a new product to, to market, are there any protections to prevent other companies from coming in and trying to undercut you and from trying to, you know, uh, create this on a mass scale that then has a negative impact on the indigenous people? Yeah. Great question. It's one that, uh, you don't know it until you actually show up. Mm. Most of these industries do these things from a distance. You know, they do the very bare minimum and then it causes a, uh, proliferation of, of of these exposures, and yes, any time you create change, there's some adjustments you need to make along the way that you don't know until you're in it. Right. Uh, and 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 that's something like listen, I've over 10, 15 years, I've had agreements with you know me and and individuals and companies have had agreements with indigenous people about what's fair for them they set the mark and then we work the agreements around that. So you do the best you can. You know, we've had exploitation that happened in Peru a few years ago where the, the Chinese came in with literally uh, duffel bags full of money Whoa. and was buying up all the maca and used the drug routes to get illegal maca because you can't, uh, from the Peruvian government standpoint, you can't leave the country with whole maca root or seed it has to be pulverized it has to be processed so they came in and legally did that paid people off and uh you know the maca prices went up by some some by 50 times um that's insane (laughs) it created a lot of disturbance throughout the whole industry it's since recovered uh but families were hurt uh not not physically but because of that explosion of Farm or poor people becoming millionaires overnight, uh, they don't know how to handle that. It's like any phenomenon where someone doesn't have money and all of a sudden they're given the lottery. If you look at the research within one to two years, they're back to the same place they were with more issues, mm. right? So there's a bunch of that going on. But to answer your question, uh, also from another angle, Again, it's, it's uh, from this perspective, right now, from our perspective, we are not hiring farmers to clear fields, to, to plant uh, trees, although it's a really good idea in many areas because this tree is being decimated by 
by faster than it can be supported. Um, but we're in, engaging uh, indigenous people that have, you know, make a dollar a month or $10 a month and, right. and need something. And it's, and the Barrozeta tree is all around them. So it's, it's now us coming in saying like, gather as much as you can, and this is what we will pay you. And it's a, it's a guarantee. I've never met a farmer or a collector or a harvester that didn't want security in the work they were doing. That's why when a farmer will ask, Hey, how much do you need? I'll put it in my ground. And if we guarantee we will buy that, then that makes farmers really happy. So a lot of times these people want to go into agreements, want to go into these things so they can create security for their villages, for their families and for themselves. So from our perspective right now, the Baru is something to where it's an economy that is just being lost that can easily be gained by way of creating value back to what the government now is really trying to do and trying to support the Babasu tree, trying to support the Barrozeta tree and the Baru tree. It's trying to support these things and trying to put regulations on it. If we then create higher value for those trees, it's less likely that these trees will be wiped out of the biome and, right. and leave the planet. So as of now, um, and the security that we've went around to, um, you know, region after region and village after village and spent the time and weeks and weeks and weeks and weeks, uh, on the ground seeing and asking what is a fair wage? What will you do it? And we paid a little more than what the average ask was. Uh, and, and that's what we kind of announced and everyone is ecstatic. So, you know, it, in terms of protecting ourselves from people coming in, we could have another Chinese thing. Right. Uh, someone else could come in and pay them exponentially more. Well, we go into agreements. We go into deep relationships with, uh, we have several lines of people that have been working in Baru for 10, 10 years in this region, another 10 years in this, who know all the people, know all the cooperatives, and we've met all the cooperatives. And that you develop relationships. And at the end of the day, I feel and I always will feel that relationships are greater than than a money bag showing up. So even though that happened in China with the maca, uh, those relationships have since rebounded and we're back to business and in, 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 in we're there for them. There's there's That's farming great. relationships yeah. I've had for 10 years. And even though they took that, because if I was in their shoes, I would probably take that money, too. Yeah. I'd probably say you're going to pay me 10, 20, 30, 40 times what I was. That's a, uh, I have to. And, but we're there after all of that. And we didn't get our maca and the industry suffered. We're there and we're consistent. And, and that is the greatest thing I've seen in my career that a lot of people come in and promise the world and don't deliver. So we show up, we pay our people, we pay them on time, we have our people there, and that's and that you do the best you can. And for the most part, you start with the idea 
of it has to be a win for the planet. It has to be a win for them. It has to be a win for you. It has to be a win for the customer. If it doesn't, we're just not, I just, I'm not interested. And if we need to adjust along the way, then we adjust and we don't make, we make sure any one of those pillars doesn't fall by the wayside. Well, I wish that, um, more businesses would, would follow that ethic, uh, and those practices. Um, me too. Me too. I'm curious. So the, the foods that you're promoting, um, really are, are pointing out that you can get the nutrients that you need and the nutrition from whole food sources. Like you mentioned, uh, the Sacha Inchi, which rich in calcium and magnesium, which then means you don't have to go to your GNC and buy a calcium or a magnesium supplement. Um, and while what you're promoting is great for individuals, it is a little bit dangerous, I think, to industries that are trying to make money selling these things. Or it's you know dangerous to Coca-Cola to say that um, there are much better sources of food and nutrition for you than um, a Coca-Cola can. Have yeah. you faced any resistance doing the work that you're doing from, uh, you know, companies or the FDA or anybody? Uh, no, I mean, not on a, not on a big scale. I mean, I think largely the people that, you know, at the FDA and the people that are on the ground that you actually have to deal with largely have their, their place in the right, their foot in the right side of the line. Right. I think, I think from people kind of making bigger decisions at some of these in industries sometimes don't. Um, but, but largely if you look at it, some of these things are a pain in the ass in terms of regulatory issues and all that stuff, but ultimately understand where they're coming from. So, you know, it, it's, it's, uh, it's so, so no, but at the same time I plan on it. Mm. I, I, you know, I, I don't plan on going into and at anybody per se, but we, we are by the air we're breathing, by the water we're drinking, by the food we're eating, we are being hit hard with, with toxins, debris, industrial pollutants, um, man-made xenobiotics. We're just getting our, the crap beat out of us. I think that's the responsibility of every company, every person um, to clean that up. Um, and if profit dominates, then that will always be there. I think that the more people are aware of these issues, um, then the growing population of people that inevitably, that is always in the, the source of all change comes from a mass amount of people understanding and demanding things to be different. Right. So, uh, you know, and that, and that to me, I'm, I'm, I'm gearing up to be doing some, some more digging into those things publicly. But, um, my attempt is, is my conversation is with people. It's not going after industry. So I want to enlighten people at the certain things that we will get into and discover, but it isn't the, the, the primary position for me is not to go after a company who's doing X, Y, and Z. There are companies doing X, Y, and Z, and that will naturally bubble up to the surface. 
but it is, it is a conversation. I'm from a small town in Minnesota. It is basically having a conversation with those people mm. that I want to talk to those people. I want to share with those people so that they get, I want to clear out some of this fog. You know, you started the conversation with all of these kind of points of view about food and all of this stuff. And, uh, you know, and if you read my book, you know that like, listen, you can line and agree with anything, but you you have a long-term experiment that you're producing right now and your body's having to deal with your point of view. Right. And, and, and so gamble with that. I just, uh, and that's what people are doing. I want people to know so that they can be informed, informed and then ultimately use their intuition, use the tool, use their tuning fork that is their knowing, their soul, their knowing, their deep, Yes, um, not giving their power away because some dude has eight abs instead of six <laughs> and he's promoting eating, you know, uh, venison. Uh, it gets just insane, right? So um, just doesn't make sense. Um, so that, that, that's where, you know, that's where I come from. I, I just, uh, I want people to be aware. I want people to be empowered um, and again, if someone's so convicted that they want to eat, you know, meat and broccoli every day, well, cool. That, that man in the mirror, man, you, you, you have, you, you do that. That's you go do you, right? That's, it's, it's fine because that's your choice. Those are the consequences you are making. That's not none of my business, mm-hmm. none. But if I share something and something inside of you says I need to look at that I need to or you blow it off that's on you too right so right. so I listen to both sides I read I read the silly book you know I'm not I don't mean to slam them but the, the silly book plant paradox makes no sense whatsoever nothing like you know stay away from lectins and all of this stuff well we don't as soon as you cook a bean there's no lectins in there like what are you talking about it's in, and gun, gun tree, I think his name is. And, and so if you look at, you know, uh, you know, my buddy, uh, uh, Dan Buettner spent, uh, his, you know, last third of his life traveling around the planet. Who, who are the people that are living the most vital and the longest? And he's got real data, real things. And every one of those people who lived the centurions around the planet who are functional and happy and every day, Guess what? Those people are eating what Guntry calls uh, like the worst food on the planet: beans. Right. Beans. Like you know, so so the, the 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 people that are not, I resonate with people who are doing the work, who are in it, um, and finding out. Um, so anyway, yeah. So, um, but exciting times nonetheless. That's for sure, and I think. I think information is great. I think people losing the power of what makes sense to them is tragic. So again, if someone comes to me and is convicted with, you know, I eat, you know, venison and broccoli and I'm happy, then I'm like, okay, cool. Right. Well, we don't need to talk. We don't need to talk. You, if you're not asking me a question, I, I'm good. Carry on. I'm not going to beat you over the head with, you know, trying to convert you. Uh, 
but if 20 years down the road you said, what was I thinking, uh, then we can have a conversation then. Darren, I know I don't have you for very, uh, very much longer. I have tons of notes here I didn't get to, so maybe sometime we could do a follow-up <laughs> to this because uh, I'm fascinated by this. Sure. But I think maybe a good way to, to wrap up this discussion, and again, like I had all this stuff related to traveling, so um, I'll save that oh, maybe yeah. for the future. But um, super life to me is you know your life. It's more than just food, and uh, you talk a lot yeah. about water, but obviously those are things that sustain you and are essentially like the basis for um, a long, fruitful, healthy, happy life. But what are some other things that uh, you incorporate into your daily life that um, make you happy and healthy, that form a super life? Good question. Well, I, you know, I, I have to say that something that, you know, sparked in me when I was a junior in college, maybe in 90, 91, 92, is the realization of this amazing uh, time in the day that uh, is exceptional and extraordinary. And that is very early in the morning. So I wake up between 3.30 and, and 4 every day. Wow. Uh, I, yeah, and I start my day. I go to bed super early because I sleep. You can't make up sleep. You, can you can't take any special elixir that's going to make up what sleep needs to do for your brain and your body. So I go to bed between 7.30 and 8, and I'm proud of it. And, and I wake up early, so I get seven, eight hours of sleep every night. And, uh, so the first thing, so that, that's number one sleep. I mean, definitely sleep is one of the greatest, uh, you know, uh, there's no hacking sleep. Let's just put it that way. Mm. You just go to sleep. You need to sleep and it needs to be dark. Shut the eyes. I even wear, um, some, uh, great earplugs and, and uh, a mask so no light comes in. Uh, and then the thing in the morning is, aside from the elixirs I make every day, which we don't get into, it's a rabbit hole, and as well as drinking my water straight away, the first things I do is set up, uh, do my meditation. Um, I, I do some actually brain stimulation, um, some electric uh, brain stimulation techniques uh, within some uh, some little technology that I have, but that helps me get into some great meditation states. So I meditate for 30 minutes. Uh, and then I go into right, I go right into, which is very, very powerful. Uh, I go right into writing and I, and I write from the space of, um, gratitude. Uh, what am I grateful for? And then also from that space, I go, what do I want to create? Who am I and what do I want to create? And that goes from the big, uh, why am I here? What am I doing? Is my, is my trajectory on the right path to get after the, the very thing that I want to contribute in the world? And then it come, and in that writing com, can come all the way down into what am I doing today? What am I doing? What are the things that I have to accomplish? What do I want them to be like? And I tune in. It's less about what I'm writing down, but it's more of the attunement that I'm having with all of it. Mm. So every day I attune to my goals, my intentions, my dreams, my targets, all of that every day. I cannot and will not leave the house uh, without doing that. It's just, it's impossible no matter 
while I'm traveling, I still do it. So I, if I have to get up at, you know, five in the morning to get out the road at five thirty because we have nine hours of a bumpy gravel road to be on, I will wake up two and a half, two and a half to three hours early and do that whole routine. So, uh, it's something that's so valuable to my being and it's so valuable to creating the kind of life, the super life that I really want. And that's really where I came. Like when I was writing this book, I was like, well, what do I really care about? Like, like you said, like, yeah, herbs and fruits and, and foods and all of that stuff is an aspect of it. And that, that's all stuff that supports me living. And what is my life then about? Uh, and that's, very important. Um, so anyway, that's probably my biggest, uh, thing because it just sets the tone for every day, all day. And then add that up over time. And next thing you know, uh, I'm, but the thing is, I, I also feel like I'm, I'm, I'm content and I'm also aggressively pursuing what's next. Mm. Right. So it's a, it's a, it's a fun, there is no retirement. That's a lie. It's, it's maybe retiring one idea and moving it and maturing it to the next. Um, and that's the thing too. When I set targets and goals, that's just my humanness. If I get there and there's another door to open that I didn't know was there, I often have open that door and go, shit, I want that. Mm. I don't want to go there. I mean, that's how superfood hunting happened. I never woke up at five years old and said, I'm going to superfood hunt. I just started to open doors and upon taking action, it opened up other doors and, and then, you know, life unfolds. Well, Darren, listen, thank you so much. First of all, um, this was an amazing conversation. Uh, really, really appreciative that you gave me the time today. Uh, Absolutely. Just stay on with me for one more minute. I'm just going to close out and I just want to wrap up the post stuff with you real quick. Um, for sure. Awesome. So everybody check out the show notes for this episode. You'll find the information for Darren's Instagram, his website. Uh, as soon as this is available for you to listen to, which is now, if you're listening, then check my Instagram at the voyages of Tim V and I will have, a few different giveaways of Darren's book and some of those uh, Barucas as well. So um, thanks, everybody. And as always, take care of each other. Bye-bye.